Morning, everyone. Y'all looking very snazzy and awesome. Okay, so um, some of you know I used to be a kids pastor, so I really like audience participation. And so right off the bat, I need you guys to just warm yourselves up. And so by a show of hands, I need to know something from you guys, and this is so easy. So if you can't respond, this is going to be rough. Um, But by a show of hands, how many of you in this room are a firstborn? Not all that many of you, okay? Um, I am not. I'm a thirdborn. And um, I have some really strong firstborn tendencies, though, so it's kind of a weird mix when my worlds collide with my personality. It's, it's bizarre. But if you come to my home, you would just have to open my silverware drawer to see these firstborn tendencies. Because, you see, I believe that all silverware must be stacked evenly and in order. And when you open the drawer and it slides over, you've got to rearrange it. And every hanger in the house has to match, lest the sun not rise and the whole world spin out of control. Thank you, Phil, firstborn, clearly. Um, But guys, this is me after I've prayed for Jesus to heal me of perfectionism. So we're a work in progress. This This is helpful. But I wanted to celebrate kind of my thirdbornisms. And so um, one day, a while back, I said to my husband, Honey, we have these two darling little boys, but we need a thirdborn. Like, just to celebrate me, you know? Because <laughs> I'm a thirdborn, and I want some camaraderie in this world of my little family. I need a thirdborn. And so in May, we welcomed my little mini-me, Miss Collins Willow, to our family. And I have to tell you this. I have these little boys, and I'm just so crazy over them. And so I was that mom that was like, yeah, I don't need a daughter. Like, I've got my little boys. And then she, God surprised us, and she showed up on the scene. And I have had to apologize to her because I realized how much I did need a daughter. And I'm just crazy, crazy smitten over her. She's, like, so awesome. Did they put her picture up for you to see? Was she up there? Okay, cool. Now, um, I've often thought, actually, that if I didn't know Jesus and I wasn't actively walking to try and pursue Jesus, my third-born nature would really control me. Because here's the deal. I don't always love rules. Sometimes I do, but most of the time I don't. And um, so I have this older sister, though, who is, like, amazing. She's the firstborn. She helped raise seven of us in this family of mine. And she's a rule follower. So if the sign says, no parking, do not park there. Chris, write that down. Um, If there's a crosswalk, walk in the crosswalk. Don't break the rules and cross outside of the crosswalk. Can anyone in this room relate to being a rule follower like my sister? Phil, raise both hands. Um, Many of you. Now, I have... Lots of siblings, like I said, but my smoking hot husband right there in the front row, he's a firstborn, and um, he's on the large end of a big family, and we have this shockingly large amount of siblings between the two of us. There are 22 human beings on the planet that fall into the actual category of sibling between the two of us. That's a lot. Now, I can see some of you are sitting there thinking, I bet she's exaggerating for the sake of a good story. I'm not. And I'm going to prove it to you here in just one second, and I hope I can name all of them. Are you ready? 
Okay, 22 people between the two of us. Here we go. Heather, Than, Matt, Isaac, Holly, Stephen. Isaac, that's not repeated. There are two Isaacs. Chase, Savannah, Annabelle, Rachel, Ben. Mike, Carrie, Paul, Maggie. Kelly. Jordan. Brooke, Jenna, Blake. Chris. I'm just seeing if you're listening. The very last one is Justin. That's 22 siblings. Guys, this doesn't even count the people that we've decided to just like adopt on our own and be like, you're our sibling now, okay? And so there's just a ton of us. Now, I want you guys, your brainiacs in the room, to know um, that's 11 on my side, 11 on Kip's side, 11 boys, 11 girls. Odd, isn't it? Some of you are going to get that one later. Okay, good. Now, um, there's something really strange that happens in sibling world. And I don't think that this happens just in the world of many siblings. I think it happens in smaller families with smaller, smaller amounts of siblings as well. But it's this thing that when someone tries to break into sibling world by dating a sibling, this can be a really, really daunting task. And some of them in the room can attest to this. But based on... That's my brother. That's one of the Isaacs. We call him 2.0. He's the second version of Isaac. But um, based on personal experience of living in many sibs worlds, I have found this can be really brutal. And so recently, one of our sisters who lives out of state, she started to date this guy, and we didn't know him. So he started to come up in conversation with the parents and things like, man, she really likes this guy. He's pretty great. Well, Kip and I had yet to meet him. And so he was sort of still in that category of like, he's probably a no good jerk. I mean, not totally in that category, but um, well, pretty much he was, yeah. So until recently, this guy takes the job in Peoria for the summer and he ends up at our house for dinner. We invite him over to come for dinner, mostly so that I could just like hound him with questions and make sure he was the real deal. Um, and I was shocked to find that I actually really liked the guy. I mean, he was super smart, he's well-read, so he's intelligent, he's good-looking, he's got great style, he's kind, he interacts well. But it was none of those things that actually made me go, yeah, I like this guy. It was something so simple that he did. Something that absolutely any one of you in this room to do, but very few his age would step out and do. So simple. He noticed my kids. So this 20-year-old, 21-year-old guy steps out and notices my kids. So we have dinner. He's pretty quiet throughout the dinner. And I'm thinking, like, what's this guy going to add? You know, like, come on. And at the end of dinner, he thanks me for dinner, super polite. And then he says, you know, I'm going to excuse myself. And he walks up my yard and he goes to the dig pit where my little boys, my five-year-old and my almost two-year-old, are digging in the dirt. And he gets down at their level, and he starts to play with them, digging in the dirt, hauling buckets of water from the spigot in the smoking hot heat, creating mud with my children, having fun with them, making their evening awesome. I mean, let's face it, making my evening awesome. Like taking care of them, noticing them. 
And over the last couple of weeks, he has continued to reach out to my kids and to get to know them and to get to know us. In fact, recently he was leaving for Israel and he texted and said, could I swing by tonight and just play with the kids for a bit? Like, who does that? So I texted my sister that night and I was like, he's great. Marry him. (laughs) Now, maybe you can relate to this, where at some point in your life, you felt noticed by somebody. When they didn't have to notice you, when it wasn't their job to notice you, you just felt noticed by somebody. Maybe it was um, when you were a student and a teacher noticed a strength in your life, and because of that, they helped set you on the right trajectory for your career. Or um, maybe it was an elderly neighbor that you didn't think living next door to them would be that big of a deal, but she's invested in you now, and she's made living there really great. Or maybe it's a church leader in your life who helped point out a strength of yours, and you never really knew that this was your strength or your spiritual gift or that you were even good at it, but because they noticed you, because they told you, hey, I think you'd be good at this, you've stepped into God's calling in your life. Maybe it was that couple who, when you were single and needed some low-cost housing, they opened up their space and let you live there. And you were just thankful that someone noticed you in a world where you sometimes feel invisible as a single. I think that there is something so very powerful that happens when someone just takes time to simply notice someone. I think everybody likes to feel noticed. Maybe you don't like to be the center of attention, but you like to be noticed. It's so simple. It's so easy. What this guy did was so easy, just noticing my kids. But until the tables turn, we don't realize how difficult it is to walk this, how difficult it is. It's great to be the one being noticed, but to have to be the one who then goes, okay, I am going to be the one to notice others. This can be really, really difficult. Now, I, I love people. Like, I, I would say I'm an absolute people person. Like, when I am around people, I feel energized, I feel inspired, I think God is so creative to create all these different personalities. Um, And I know some of you in the room, not so much, but how many of you would say that, yes, I am a people person? Not me, but you. You are a people person. Quite a few of you. So you can relate to where I'm coming from with this. Um, But have any of you ever felt this way, like just being totally vulnerable? I love people, and sometimes I find people really hard to like. Yeah? Um, Don't say amen too loud if you're sitting next to the person that you find hard to like. That will be awkward later on your drive home. But sometimes people's personalities are just difficult to get along with, and it creates this conflict within our lives. And often it can become this wreck of relationships where we don't really intend to end up there, but the difference in personality makes us end up there. And maybe you're in this season of life where some days it takes so much energy for you to get up out of bed and feel motivated to go out and just live your life that you can't even think about noticing someone else's life. Because, frankly, you don't feel noticed by anyone. So do you ever feel alone and therefore it discourages you from being a friend, from being a great spouse, from being a great student? from even having the energy to show up for your own day, let alone show up for someone else's day. You know, there are going to be many days in your life 
where people fail to notice you. It's going to happen because we're all human. But there's also going to be many days where you and I, where we fail to notice people. And so I want us to go to God's word. And I want us to look at what he says. In Matthew 10, 29, it says that not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And so God notices us. When you might feel unnoticed by people that should notice you in your life, I want you to focus on God's word and go, God notices me. He even cares so much that he's so detailed to notice how many hairs I have on my head or maybe the lack thereof. He knows that too. But you see, you are the whole entire point of his suffering. You are the whole reason that he created salvation and eternity in the first place. Because he noticed you. Because he cares by you. And so we wanted to do this series called Wrecked here at church. Because we wanted to try and inspire you to take a look at, is your life wrecked? enough? Is your heart broken enough for the sake of people to notice them? We've been looking at the life of Paul and uh, my brother Chris and then my friend Mike, they kicked off this series and um, they kind of walked us through some of the stories of Paul. And if you miss those messages for the sake of time, I can't go into what they said, but it was phenomenal. So please go back, uh, church214.org, listen to those podcasts, and begin to understand what it means from a biblical perspective, from the life of Paul, someone who was like this hero whose heart was so wrecked for people that he changed the entire course of his life to live out this calling. But see, you and I, we've got to train our hearts to be wrecked for those far from God. This is not a natural thing for us. We have to train our hearts to do this. Now, a couple um, weeks ago, like I said, my brother Chris kicked this off, and he and his wife had just taken a trip, and he talked about going on this ferry across the portion of the sea, being dropped off on land, and then watching this ferry go back and forth over the next few days, and he observed it. And he said that it made him wonder, like, as he stood on dry land, safe, he wondered, like, if that ship just went down right now, would anybody notice? And furthermore, would anybody care? And I think we go, like, well, of course we'd care. Like, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we care? Sometimes caring is carrying out the gospel. And I think that the word gospel or evangelism scares so many people because you think like, oh, those are big Christian words and I haven't been a Christ follower long enough like I just met him. I haven't been a Christ follower long enough to be able to evangelize. But the reality is, is noticing people and carrying out the gospel starts by just noticing people. Do you know that uh, 80% of people, when they hear the word the gospel or evangelism, the idea of sharing Jesus with people, they check out of the conversation. So most likely 80% of you right now have gone like, oh, evangelism, I'm out. But you know what? The reality is this. That mindset, like, hey, someone else is going to do that. Like maybe that bubbly extrovert who's loved Jesus for a long time, like she will carry out telling people about the gospel. Or those pastors and church leaders who, hey, let's remind them, they signed up to do it. 
they'll carry out telling people about the gospel. But this is the reality. That mindset is too much pressure to put on the church leaders and the pastors of our society. You know why? Because Jesus said that we must go into the world and tell everyone. So being realistic, telling everyone is too many for a few to tell. Now, really quick, this week, my son, who's just turned five, he was sitting at the breakfast table, and he says, um, Mom, what are we doing today? And I said, well, you're going to go to Grandma's and have an awesome time because Mom is going to go study to preach. And he says, oh, so what are you going to preach on? And I said, well, son, I'm going to preach on um, letting our hearts be wrecked for people and then telling them that Jesus loves them and preaching the gospel. And I said, you know, Jesus said that we're supposed to go into the world and tell everyone about him. And he says, yeah, yeah, wow. Everyone is a lot of people. He's like, we're going to, like, I love what he said. It's like he assumes we're actually going to do this. We're going to walk around town all day and tell people, and we're going to be like, give us naps. <laughs> Faith like a child. Like, he just assumes, like, if Jesus says it, we have to do it. Mark 16:15, Jesus says to them, go into all of the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So before Jesus ascends into heaven, he's spent his time on earth, he's ascending to heaven, he looks at the group of followers around him, these 11 disciples, because one betrayed him, 11 are left, and he says, go and tell everyone. And as I began to study this, I wondered what would have happened if just two of those 11 had decided to obey him at his word. I bet that millions and millions of souls who are following Jesus now, some of you sitting in these chairs, would not be following Jesus because of their disobedience. They took Jesus at his word and they went out, go and tell everyone about me. So as I told you, I've got lots of siblings and so I have lots of stories about siblings. Um, recently, my older brother was at a wedding and he was in this wedding, and the, re the rehearsal dinner was being held by a pool's edge. And he was standing there talking to this colleague of his, and he noticed, because he's a dad himself, that this guy's little toddler was really close to the edge of the pool, this little guy. And he says to the dad, hey, man, you know, your, guy's, your little guy's pretty close to the edge. And the dad was a little dismissive and was like, yeah, 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 he's fine. And then just moments later, my brother dives into the pool, fully dressed in his you know, nice outfit, watch, cell phone and all, leather shoes that he's supposed to wear in the wedding the next morning and saves this little boy. Not a real dramatic deal, right? I bet every single one of you sitting here would go like, yeah, I would do that. I wouldn't even think twice about it. But I guarantee you Nathaniel didn't think like, oh, that guy's going to drown. Okay, let me empty my pockets. Let me, like, take off my nice leather shoes so that they're not ruined for the wedding tomorrow because then I'm going to look like an idiot if I don't have shoes. And he was out of town, so it's not like he could just go get a new pair. No, he just dove in and rescues this little boy. And so I think all of us would say, like, yeah, no big deal. Just dive in and save him. But see, this is the reality. Every day, you and I choose. We choose to walk by people who are too close to the edge, who this world is going to drown them, and we see they're going to fall in. They're not going to make it. 
This will ruin them spiritually. Their soul will be lost. And you know what we do? We go, ah, I think someone else will handle that. We dismiss the warning. Or we come up with this excuse that is as ridiculous as not wanting to physically ruin our leather shoes to save a little boy. We have got to be willing to reach that person who's too close to the edge. And you know what? Risk are perfect to change their life. Because if we don't, there might be no one else. And so I want to ask, like, you're sitting here, and I want you to ask yourself, okay, Heidi, what do you want me to do about this message? Thank you for asking. I'm so glad you asked, because I'd like to tell you what I want you to do with this message. I want it to begin to sink into your heart. And I want the idea of people far from God to begin to wreck your spirit. Not in a way that you're downcast and you're all like, this world is going to hell. But like, let it push you forward. Let it cause you to go, I don't care what has to be ruined in my life to reach this person who's too close to the edge. I'm going to be the one to reach out and save their soul. See, this is the reality. We are selfish if we don't notice people. We are self-centered if we don't notice people. And we're in a culture that says, be selfish. Take your selfie, post it, and get all of the accolades and let people tell you how awesome you are. But this is the reality. We need to be flipping that around and going, this isn't about me. This is about him, and this is about pointing you to him. So I have quite a few members in my family who have um, already died and who are in eternity with Jesus. And there's this awesome and peaceful feeling about knowing that they're in heaven and that I will be reunited with them. And I bet you feel the same way if you've lost a grandparent or a loved one that you knew loved Jesus. So they're in heaven with Jesus. And the Bible says to die is gain. And so for them, I agree. Like I feel some, like almost like the fact that they're in heaven with Jesus and have seen him face to face, it blows my mind. And some days I wish that I could experience what they're, what they're having in heaven right now. But that's not God's timing for my life yet. But then there are these two people from my family line who passed away at young ages. And we don't know about their eternal destiny. We don't know that they love Jesus. We don't have that assurance that they're in heaven with Jesus. And you guys, it wrecks my heart to wonder about them. Like they died and we don't have that assurance that they're with Jesus. And so we don't have that assurance that we will ever be reunited with them. And I wonder, did anyone ever try to help save them? Did anyone notice that they were too close to the edge and go, you know what? I'm going to risk my perfect to help pull you back. I'm going to risk my perfect to pull you off and to point you in a different direction. Could someone have done something simple to change the trajectory of their eternal existence? Eternity is a long time. Could someone have taken a moment to plant a seed to cause something to grow in them that would have changed that? I think so often it starts by something so simple. You might sit there and think, I don't know how to evangelize. Like, 
I haven't known Jesus long enough, and I don't know very many Bible references, so I'm out. But guys, we've got to take the responsibility on ourselves. We can't leave it up to two to carry out the mission of Jesus. We all have to obey. And so I'm going to tell you a couple simple things that I like to do. I like to just really simply say hello to people as I pass them out in public. Like, you're not going to have time to have a whole conversation with them, but do you know that eye contact and a smile and a, hey, good morning, can go a really long way in someone's day? Because you know what? If a whole bunch of us are doing that, they might get multiple people who you might not have time to give the conversation, but you know what? You can act like Jesus in front of them. You might not get to even speak the name of Jesus, but you can act like Jesus in front of them. When we start to notice people, there's this unbelievable thing that happens where God begins to open doors for us to have conversations beyond hello. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says this. When I arrived to proclaim the message of the Messiah, I found the place wide open. God had opened the door and all I had to do was walk through it. And so I want to ask you, can you take time to notice one person today, to impact one person today, to do something simple, but then tomorrow wake up and do it again? Just impact one person. And through that, trust that God's going to open doors for you to get to speak the name of Jesus. Before we know it, heaven's population is going to start to grow And souls are going to be saved. And I bet you anything that Jesus will end up coming back to earth sooner than later because the souls that he's waiting on to get saved will be being saved because of you, because you just notice people. Now, I don't really care. This might be the third born of me coming out. I don't really care what you think about me on this stage today or this message that I'm sharing with you today because this this has nothing to do with me. Um, I just said, God, can you put some words on a paper that come from your heart and from your word and help me to be faithful to obey you and to speak those words and then will you change lives because of this word? See, because I don't benefit from anything in standing up here and preaching the gospel to you if it doesn't change your Monday morning. See, because if you leave here and you just forget everything that's been said and it doesn't cause a change in you being willing to take steps forward closer to the edge of life and rescue people, then what I've set up here is for nothing. But see, God is so faithful and he says that his word never returns void and that just by you hearing his word, your faith is increased. And you know what I think is so cool? It doesn't necessarily have to be your faith in Jesus. Sometimes it has to be your faith in yourself to know that you have got what it takes. You are equipped with what you need to preach the gospel to people around you. So tomorrow, are you going to do with what you've heard? Are you going to do anything with it? Just simple challenge. Tomorrow, every single one of us in this room, whether you're at school or work or home with your littles or... um, vacationing or traveling, will you notice one person? Will you wake up and have this in the forefront of your mind that today I have been placed here to affect change in one person? Even if it's a smile and a nod and a good morning, that's a start. 
Because as we begin to do this, it will create patterns in our life that cause us to notice people habitually. And this is a good habit because then God will begin to open doors for us to affect change. And so we can't leave this up to just a few. We've all got to get on board. We've all got to get on the ship that says, yes, we are going to notice people. We are going to let our hearts be wrecked for others and then trust that God's going to do the rest. God's word says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 through 17, it says, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. And everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Have you ever been around someone that smells really good and you're like, wow, you smell good. It's, it's like refreshing and it makes you notice. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet sense rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation. An aroma redolent with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like a stench from a rotting corpse. This is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on? No. But at least we don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets to sell it cheap. We stand in Christ's presence when we speak. We stand in his presence when we speak. We, God looks us in the face, and we get what we say straight from God, and we say it as honestly as we can. God doesn't leave you to do it on your own. He looks you right in the face. You stand in his presence, and then you speak the words from him. You don't have to believe me that it can be done. You just have to trust God's word that he will speak through you. And so will you allow your heart to be wrecked and notice people? Notice the lost. Guys, it's simple. Notice people when you're in line at Hy-Vee and you're tempted to be ticked that the line is so long, but then you notice that single mom behind you with her little kids who seems like she's about ready to wring their necks. Like, notice them. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Are you guys having a good shopping trip? No? Oh, did you get a free banana at the produce stack for the kids? Oh, yeah, I bet that helped. Hey, Mom, you're doing a great job. Be encouraged. You got this. Simple, right? Can you speak? You can affect change. Or maybe it's on the sidelines this week at your child's soccer practice next to that dad. Hey, buddy, how you doing? You from around here? Yeah, oh, you're new to the area. Oh, awesome. Hey, this is a great area. Hey, have you, have you found a church home yet? Not overly intimidating, right? You never know what those questions will do to help affect change, to potentially help pull someone from the edge. Or maybe it's that person at Starbucks, and you're a student, and you're sitting cramming for this test that's so important that the world will truly stop spinning if you don't just ace this. You know what? Take out your headphones and look up and notice her. Notice the soul sitting across from you, who maybe you are on this very planet to affect change in. Romans 12, 13 says, take every opportunity to open your home, which to me says your heart. Home is where the heart is. Open your heart and your lives to others. Imagine what would happen if every one of us in this church noticed people, just one person this week, even if you don't wake up Tuesday and do it, even if just Monday, 
eternity would begin to change and God would begin to open doors for us to notice people and then to share about Jesus in a simple way, but in a way that changes their eternity. I wish someone had done that for my grandmother, who I do not know if she is with Jesus. Because hell is too real for us to risk others burning there for eternity. And recently, I had this excruciating experience where this situation I was in and some medical issues, I felt like my skin was being seared off. I felt like I was being burned alive from the inside out. And in those moments, all I wanted was for it to be over. But you know what? I look now and I think, I needed that experience because I needed an awakening to not want people to burn in hell for eternity. It was a few moments realistically in my life on earth, but I needed to feel hell on earth to have something change in me. See, I've been passionate about evangelism for most of my life, but sometimes seasons of life get us a little bit off course. And I think I needed to strap on my shoes of peace again and go, I'm going to walk as far as I got to walk to share the gospel with people, to obey Jesus at his word, to begin noticing people and to tell everybody. I had to strive harder to reach the lost. So Christ followers, I'm going to speak to you for a minute. Your birth order often influences your personality. But your birth order has nothing to do with whether or not you should obey Jesus at his word. Rule follower or not, we have got to obey the voice of God. We've got to go into the world and preach the gospel that souls might be changed. There's no, what's not in my nature, excuse that's going to hold up in front of Jesus when you see him face to face. You're here to notice people, to affect change for souls. So if you're a firstborn or a middle child or the baby of the family, each and every one of us is required to reach people close to the edge. We've got to add siblings to the family of God. We can't assume that they're not good enough. She's not pretty enough for my brother. He's a no-good jerk. No. we got to not just love people. We have to be willing to like them. So in my really final moments, I want to know, are you going to do anything with this tomorrow morning? Believers, it's our role. We cannot afford to sit in our own little space and be perfect. we got to step out and risk something. And unlike the brutal process of trying to enter a physical family on earth, where we siblings can be harsh, the family of God is wide open, and he's ready to add those siblings John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, you in and of ourselves, a non-believer in this room today, you're not good enough to be called his child. I'm not good enough to be called his child. 
But you know what? He made a way for me. And he said, I will be the one that's good enough. I will be the one that makes the way to help you be able to stand in the side of my father and be good enough. Others might fail to notice you, but Jesus always notices you. And he's just waiting on you to notice him back. To risk your perfect, to step into his presence. And so it's simple. Just right here in this moment, you can just quietly humble your heart and and still your thoughts for a moment and say, Jesus, I think you notice me. And I want to notice you back. And I want to step into your family and just receive his love, receive his salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus is that big brother from Mini Sib's world who says, hey, I've got this for you. You, dear one, you are good enough to be in my Father's family. Because I sacrificed for you. Jesus says, through me you are accepted and you are celebrated and you are loved and you are enough. Jesus' heart was not only physically wrecked, but literally wrecked for you and for me. And we've got to follow in his footsteps. So church, now is the time. People are going to hell faster then we can even begin to change their lives. But what we can't do for all, we've got to try to do for one. Because we can be by that edge and we can pull one back. And we can be kind to one as we try to notice people, to like people, to then move into a season of loving that person. So please care enough to share the part, that fragrance that Jesus has given you. Please care enough to let people notice it and to let it change them. Will you just pray with me for a moment? Jesus, I thank you so much that you let yourself be wrecked for us, for for me, for the people on this stage, for the people in this room. And God, that if it was just us, that would have been enough for you. But Lord, your plan is so much bigger. And how humble of you to include us in your strategy. Because, God, we are risky because we don't always obey you. So right now I pray a a spirit of obedience to fall upon these listeners today. God, I pray for a, a motivation to notice people in simple ways throughout our day and to affect change around those that cross our path every day and then to wake up the next day and to do it again and again And as it becomes a habit in our life, God, I pray that the promise in your word would be held true and that you will open doors for us to preach your gospel. Like it said in Mark, when we arrived, the doors were already open. God, thank you that you prepare a way for us. Thank you that you don't leave us on our own. You give us the words. You look us in the face. And we speak through you and for you. What a risk you took on us, God. I pray that you would help us to be risk takers, that we would allow our hearts to be wrecked for the lost, and that we would be that one to notice someone. In Jesus' name and for your glory, amen.